electricity supply remains one of South Africa's biggest hurdles that impact its potential to address some of its socio-economic challenges and inequalities. In his 2021 State of the Nation address, President Ramaphosa announced that rapidly expanding the energy generation capacity remains a high priority for South Africa. The president announced various interventions to address the energy challenges such as restructuring of ESCOM into three separate entities for generation, transmission and distribution, ESCOM implementing intensive maintenance and operational excellence programs to improve the reliability of its coal fleet, reviewing of tariff paths. Other interventions include increasing the generation capacity in addition to what ESCOM can generate through the award of 2,000 megawatts of emergency power by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy. Another intervention by the Department of Mineral Resources and Energy is the requesting of 2,600 megawatts from wind and solar energy as part of bid window 5 of the Independent Power Producer Program. ESCOM is also implementing other initiatives to increase the generation by initiating the procurement of an additional 11,800 megawatts of power from renewable energy, natural gas, battery storage, and coal. Another notable change that seeks to address the energy challenges that we have is easing of the licensing requirements for new embedded generation projects, which could unlock another 5,000 megawatts of additional capacity and help reduce the impact of load shedding. This initiative will require amending Schedule 2 of the Electricity Regulation Act, and this is planned to be done in the next three months. The fact remains, South Africa is vulnerable to climate change. This means that traditional pathways to increasing energy supply based on burning fossil fuels will become increasingly unavailable. Many questions need to be addressed, particularly with renewable energy. Can we afford renewable energy? What other options do we have to manage our energy problems? And what role is the private sector playing? In episode 3 of the Engineering in Africa podcast, I talked to Tabo Moyo from Umang Energy to unpack some of the renewable energy challenges and questions. Tabo's insights promise to provide a unique perspective and inspire the next generation of energy engineers. With that said, Welcome to the Engineering in Africa podcast. All right, Mr. Moyo, welcome to the Engineering in Africa podcast. Um, and thank you very much for taking time to talk to us. So um, as I've briefed you, the Engineering in Africa the Engineering in Africa podcast, what we're trying to do is to create a platform where engineers who work in Africa and practice in Africa can, you know, like get more information about career advancement, new technology and innovation. So the purpose of today's talk was to look at energy. So I know that you part of the Oman group and I'll just give you an opportunity to like tell us more about like what Oman is all about. But before I do that, I just wanted to give some context on what I wanted to talk about. So we know that there's issues of climate change. 
which obviously affect Africa. There's um, the whole issues of uh, renewable energy and with ESCOM, uh, with the independent power producers, there's a lot of talk yeah. about the affordability of energy, um, especially from an ESCOM point of view. But I also wanted to see if like, does Omang have more insights about the, the renewable energy challenges outside of South Africa, you know, like what's yeah. happening in other African countries. And if you've got insights on that and those, and then, yeah, we'll be discussing those type of information. And also yeah. I wanted to talk about the, the solutions that you guys have, you know, and are those solutions local and, you know, and if they're not local, what can we do as engineers? So you're an, you're an electrical engineer, I'm a mechanical engineer. And what can we do to, you know, like, you know, step up the game of engineers in South Africa where we can design, manufacture, uh, go and install, maintain, operate our own infrastructure and our own technology. So before we get started, can you just introduce like who, who is Tabo Moyo and what does the Omang Energy uh, do exactly? Sure, fantastic. Uh, great, uh, thanks. Uh, uh, thanks for that intro. Uh, thank you for inviting me and having me on your, on your platform, which I think is fantastic by the way. Thanks, um, African solutions to African problems, right? Um, yeah. And engineering is a big part of that, I think. Yeah. Um, you can't sell what you haven't made. Yeah. And the engineers are, are crucial to, to the making of, uh, of cool stuff. Yeah. Um, so, as you said in the intro, uh, I'm Tavo, and my uh, background is electrical engineering. Um, I, must, I must confess that uh, I'm not a an engineer through and through. Okay. <laughs> I, I came to the realization uh, quite early on in my in my engineering career that what, what I enjoy about engineering is really the, the problem solving, mm -hmm. right? The, the, the technical application uh, of, of, of one's knowledge to, to solving material problems. Um, and, and that then uh, spans through you know, multiple industries, multiple multiple sectors, but uh, be that as it may, uh, engineering by training and background. Um, initially, I focused in uh, robotics and, and automation. Um, interestingly, with with ESCOM as as part of my my master's research project, uh, looking into automated uh, power line inspections using drones, um, and unknown to me that kind of was the, the segue into, into energy and specifically renewable energy. Yeah. Um, so I've been in the renewable energy space for about 10 years now. Mm -hmm. um, and primarily or initially uh, from a pure engineering technical perspective. Uh, yeah. That the, the, the design and, and implementation of, of energy projects mm -hmm. uh, spanning you know, small small scale projects such as those in, in residential installations, all the way up to utility scale projects under the the renewable energy IPP program, which you would know in in, in South Africa. Yeah. Um, also spanning uh, countries throughout throughout the the continent, the African continent, and uh, as far afield as as India at some point. Um, okay. So quite a global 
in terms of, of energy and energy projects. Um, wow, that's amazing, man. Sure. So I've been quite quite fortunate, I think, in that sense, in terms of the, the breadth and depth of, of energy projects that I've been able to, to, to work on in the renewable space specifically. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was that backdrop uh, about, uh, we're going on, on two years now, just over 18 months. Um, mm-hmm. Myself and, and uh, three other co-founders, uh, co-founded Umang Energy uh, as part of the Umang group of companies. Mm-hmm. Uh, and who we are as Umang Energy is we're primarily uh, renewable energy dependent power producers, IPPs, okay. uh, and project developers. Now, what that means or what, what it means to be an IPP is, you know, we, we are private producers of, power and energy, okay. uh, so working independently of, of stage utilities like ESCOM, mm. but providing them uh, power to, to, to customers, some of which include ESCOM, by the way. Uh, oh, okay. As stage utilities. Mm-hmm. Um, so we, we focus on, on renewable energy projects, specifically solar PV, wind power, uh, biogas, and uh, hydropower. Uh, All right, that's amazing, man. Yeah. Um, covering uh, sub-Saharan, basically, yeah, uh, we focus on sub-Saharan Africa. Mm -hmm. Um, To date, we've been working uh, really around the the SADC block, um, so that South Africa, Botswana, Zimbabwe, uh, Zambia, um, and and of course, did I mention South Africa? Yeah. Yeah, you did. Uh, In East Africa, we've done some work in in, in Kenya, Tanzania, uh, further afield in, in the north, uh, we've gone into Nigeria, we've gone into Ghana, um, and DRC. So, as I said, the focus really is Sub-Saharan Africa. Yeah. And, uh, you know, we, we look to develop projects of varying size uh, and varying renewable energy technologies a- across the, the breadth of the continent. Yeah. Um, and in a nutshell, I think the, the value we, we aim to, to provide to, to our customers and our partners really is sustainable energy. And that's... That's what about. that's what it's about, yeah. And yeah. I, I think, I think from your introduction of the Monk Group, like it's very clear that you guys do believe that there's this abundance of energy or renewable energy in Africa, and we're not taking advantage of it. You know, um, you know, I'm looking at you know, like the scale of like solar projects outside of africa it's we are like it's a we we as africans are dwarfing <laughs> what the europeans and americans are doing so you know it's great to hear that you've got all these projects going on and what i wanted to maybe before we get into the more interesting um things that a lot of people want to hear i want to talk about the engineering part of things Sure. Yeah. So when it comes to like design, the design uh, part of things, do you guys do your own like design from a systems point of view? Um, so how does that work at Omang? Do you do internally the design? And then also when it comes to individual components, like mm-hmm. do you do you guys um, like source from suppliers and then do the installation? Or do you also have like a manufacturing wing under Omang, or is your specialization just having um, what you call these um, renewable plants and operating and maintaining them? Sure, sure. Okay, so, so to start off with the, the engineering and design component of, of your question. So 
Um, our our approach to to market at this point in in the, in the life of our organization is really to um, try and partner with specialist EPCs, engineering, procurement, and construction companies. Um, and, and that is because, as I said in my introduction, we are primarily a project developer and an IPP slash asset owner. Right. Okay. So our, our business model really hinges on. Development, the licensing, the permitting, uh, okay. and, and coordination, project finance, and, and structuring, and, and, and that sort of thing. Um, and so, for, for specialist, and, and it does get quite specialist. Yeah. Uh, engineering services, we, we look to partner um, with uh, with other companies. Okay. Uh, that being said, there's a certain amount of engineering, uh, certainly in the early stages, that we we. we look to do in-house mm-hmm. um, and to, to the extent that is required my, my background in, in engineering and specifically yeah. you know, project comes to the fore and I will I take lead on that mm-hmm. um, we do have uh, in-house support if you will um, also mm-hmm. from an engineering perspective so even though we would look to to outsource the EPC scope under a turnkey arrangement with with our partners, mm-hmm. uh, we don't abdicate our responsibility to to the client ultimately. Okay, and uh, we, we would exercise some some level of, of oversight on on the technical. But but Tao, you're downplaying. You are downplaying your technical ability. <laughs> you got a master's, right? In yeah, uh, what was your master's? You got a master's in uh, what four IR or something like that. Yeah, I guess it's it's a component of four IR, but yeah. it's it's robotics ultimately. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. So like you you like they've got the big guns there at Omang. Eh? Yeah. <laughs> so let's yeah. talk about one of the. I want to find out like what are you guys um, like? How big is this energy problem in Africa? Like sure. since since you guys sort of developed the business case to start this company, this energy company. Yes. So I would think that you you guys didn't just wake up and say, no, let's start this energy company and you know climb on the bandwagon of renewable energy. So yeah. surely there's a big problem when it comes to energy in Africa. Like from your guys' research, how big is this problem? No, absolutely. Um, so as of 2019-2020, the World Bank, uh, in conjunction with the International Energy Association, put out some numbers that suggest that some 700 million people are without access to, to electricity, reliable electricity. Mm-hmm. Uh, and about 75% of that 700 million uh, resides in sub-Saharan Africa. Sure. So okay. you know that that that's a staggering number. Yeah. You know the the lighting and and all the facilities that you and I take for granted. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so, uh, a majority of the people on on the continent still consider that a luxury. That's correct. Right? Yeah. Um, and so before we talk about things like four and and you know the future, mm-hmm. the reality is that the majority of our people on the continent. Uh, don't have access to to clean, reliable electricity, yeah. right? And so there's no way we can start having a conversation about technology and you know advancing our people mm. when they don't have electricity. And really, that speaks to our mission as 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 Omang Energy. And the mission really is to 
to, to de democratize access to cheap or rather affordable uh, clean electricity. Yeah. When we, when we can get the majority of our people uh, connected, uh, then we can, uh, you know, build on the the, the 4IR and and everything else linked linked to mm. to um, uh, advanced or developed um, civilization, right? Yeah. Um, so that, that's the one layer. One layer access. The, the other layer is reliability. So so mm. where where there is access to electricity, right? Um, this issue of of load shedding is not something unique to 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 South Africa. Mm -hmm. uh, right, there was some research put out by by the CSRR last year, uh, end of 2019, about um, that suggests that uh, some uh, a staggering amount was lost due to to, to load shedding, right, in, in the quantum of a, of a few billion yeah. uh, lost in the economy due to, to load shedding. Uh, in in our neighboring country, uh, Zambia, we were also developing quite a few projects. At some point, uh, they had 18-hour load shedding sure. um, in Zimbabwe. So yeah. 18 out of 24 hours in a day, there's no power. Yeah. Right? Uh, if, if you think about what, what electricity uh, drives, right? we're talking about critical infrastructure like uh, hospitals and, mm. and in a COVID kind of scenario that we're living, yeah. you can't not have power going to hospitals and clinics because then how else is it all, uh, you know, critical uh, medicine? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So, so the, the the energy issue or the lack thereof is is quite a critical one on on the continent. And uh, through our business model, we're we're looking to to address that. Um, mm. So, uh, you know. Profit. The question of profit and profitability aside, I think that there is a socio-economic yeah. uh, constraint or, or need that that has to be addressed, and there's just not enough uh, companies and, and and businesses to to address that. Yeah, you you know, like the interesting thing that you just said, you know, when it comes to four IR, that how can not how but. It becomes very tricky as Africa to talk for IR if we're still struggling with the first industrial revolution technology, <laughs> you know, and, and the second industrial revolution. And the, look, man, we, we can't even build a bloody boiler plant, which is a, what is it? It's a, it's a second or a third revolution technology, you know? So like, I think, I think I agree with you, you know, that, you know, I, I'm, I'm not saying that we should not look at the whole conversation of 4IR, but we still need to like fix or try to catch up on the other uh, revolutions yeah. that industrial revolutions that happen, you know, now with okay. that, with that said, um, I want to talk about affordability. So mm. can Africa afford renewable energy? The reason I ask this question is I think the, the biggest criticism with the IPP is sure. the, the cost of the, what you call the electricity. So for instance, um, ESCOM buys the, the, what you call the, the renewable energy um from you guys at a certain amount, but sell it at a lower amount to their end consumers. So now it begs to ask the question, um, can Africa, okay, South Africa in this case, and Africa in general, can we afford renewable energy? Sure, sure. Um, I'm, I'm gonna try and, and, and 
without without being too too political and and uh, look the short answer is yes we can afford right okay. um so on on a on a micro level within our business um for as long as we've been in operation right the 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 tariffs that we've been able to present to our customers have been cheaper than the the tariffs that they're currently on right okay. so there's no doubt that in in private uh, commercial discussions um our tariffs are, are are better than what what the status quo uh, is in fact we wouldn't have a business case if if it wasn't the case if, yeah. if the tariffs we offered were higher than what customers were were currently paying you know okay. how could we motivate uh, yeah. <laughs> you know we yeah. wouldn't have a business we wouldn't have a, a renewable energy market you, you just couldn't you just couldn't convince a customer to pay more than what they're yeah. paying today right mm-hmm. and so so that's the first thing on 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 a macro level right um there were some some stats uh, put out uh, q3 q4 last year uh that renewables specifically solar pv mm. um have surpassed uh the the lcoe levelized cost of of, of energy mm-hmm. uh, they are now cheaper than their uh, coal and 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 uh, uh oil counterparts really right so so on a macro level uh, renewables specifically solar pv aren't just about the, the environment and feeling good commercially mm. globally the starting makes sense or the cheaper option. Mm. So cheaper on a on a on a rand and cents perspective, mm-hmm. cheaper to deployment, uh you know, I won't go into the whole procedure and and UP passage and how long it's taken to roll out the, those mega projects. Mm-hmm. Uh one of the counterparts in in the reap uh we've deployed and I say we from an industry body perspective uh, mm. deployed 6 gigawatts worth of of renewables in the last uh, just under 10 years. Yeah. Right. So, so we're cheaper and we're quicker to to market, mm. right? Um, to your point around ESCOM having to to pay more to to renewables, look, PPAs, power purchase agreements, are, are confidential agreements, so I mm. can't speak to what what tariffs we we agree. But I, I want to give context in that uh, those those early projects that the bid window one to to three projects mm-hmm. uh yes are 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 rumored to 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 have been expensive right mm-hmm. but the reality is this isn't quite a few elements go into 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 pricing projects right and and a big part of it is is the cost of capital right yeah and and amongst other things what what drives up the cost of capital is is risk or, or perceived risk mm-hmm. right now for for those early projects these were new projects in in south africa new uh, new ways of 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 bringing energy to 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 the market and so naturally lenders and, and investors price uh, a lot of risk into into their cost of capital but um you 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 may or may not have seen that as, as of last year the, the majority of the of the ipps from those early bid windows agreed to to renegotiate those tariffs right because mm-hmm. the risk has been mitigated and it's understood now mm-hmm. uh, lenders are willing to 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 really uh look at at, at finance arrangements and and you know everyone has come to the party and uh sat down with with, with the government and the powers that be and have agreed to to bring those prices down so that's retrospectively yeah right nice you don't get that mm. right so so the the ipp community uh is not unreasonable at the end of the day we we 
consumers and we're people ourselves, right? We're, mm. we're not unreasonable. Yeah. Um, so there's an element of, of us having to, to mitigate our own risks, right? Because we're deploying our own capital and we've got shareholders to answer to, we've got stakeholders to answer to. So we need to price appropriately for, for, for the inherent risk. But as soon as those risks have been mitigated and addressed, then you know, the, the costs come down. Now, mm. as of today, right, the, the, the subsequent bid window round, so I'm talking from bid window four, uh, and what was what's recently been submitted now, the risk mitigated. Um, those subsequent windows and going forward into the future are already lower than uh, than the core alternatives, okay. right? And, and so the question of affordability, in my mind, uh, is, is 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 a non-issue. It's a moot point okay. because, as I said, already today, renewables are, are the uh, most cost-effective uh, yeah. uh, avenue for. Uh, energy deployment, rapid, sustainable energy deployment. Now, okay, so now tell me something. So you've, you spoke about the, the macro and the macro. Um, I'm of the view that microgrids make more sense than trying to feed, feed into the bigger, uh, what you call the bigger electrical network. Sure. For from ESCOM, you know what I mean. Like, what are what are what are your thoughts on that? Like having more, um, like microgrids, for instance, um, uh, where I stay, you've got complexes with um, like what a hundred households. So if you can convince those hundred households to to buy into this microgrid, and then you have a lot of those microgrids that are. Uh, well, some can be connected, some cannot be connected to to ESCOM. So, what's your research on that or thoughts on that? Sure. So, interesting, you mentioned that we were actually actively uh, developing quite a few micro slash mini grid projects um, uh, outside South Africa. Um, so, this is Zambia, Cameroon, Nigeria. Um, and this is, you know, 100 to 300 uh, users in a community. We put together a, a small uh, power plant for them and we, we build it. Now, what we're finding from a, a, a cost perspective, right, the, the tariffs in, in those kind of projects aren't as low as the tariffs we see in the bigger utility scale projects. It really, it boils down to economies of scale and it boils down to, to risk profile, right? Yeah. So. The risk profile of a blue chip business that has been around for 40 years is different from the risk profile of individual users in, in, a, in, a, in a community, right? Mm -hmm. So that affects affects tariffs, right? Um, but you know, my view is there isn't any one right answer, right, uh, okay. or right uh, philosophy. And and what I mean is, the, the best solution in my view for, for the African energy crisis. Is, is one that embraces all the distribution models, right? So we need utility scale projects like we've seen uh, in, in the REAP, right? Because those provide scale, those provide quick um, uh, delivery onto the grid. We also need uh, slightly smaller, uh, what, what we see in the commercial industrial space. This is the, you know, small scale embedded generation. Okay. So, you know, industries that use anything from one megawatt to 10 megawatts and they've got the roof space or they've got the land. So on-site generation. We also need slightly smaller than that, which is now the, the micro slash mini grids where mm. we can connect 
you know, 50 to 100 households quickly, uh, particularly in, in, in the remote areas, right? Yeah. Where, where there isn't any existing electrical infrastructure and there's not mm-hmm. going to be anytime soon, but yeah, we communicate quickly. And then the really smaller ones, uh, this is for individual, at individual household level, mm. right? We need those as well. Mm. And then the last one, which is called uh, Pico Grids, where this is basically where you provide people with, um, you know, say a, a small solar panel with a charger uh, mm. and, and a little or for a fridge or for a TV or for a radio, right? Mm. So you need, you need businesses that address the entire gambit of, of, of uh, project sizes. Right? I agree, yeah. Because the scale, as you rightfully said, won't have as much of an impact uh, on, on the small community, right? Mm. The embedded generation, small-scale embedded generation, will be targeting uh, blue-chip clients and won't get to the, the, the small community that can only pay $2 or 20 rand or whatever, right? So yeah. you need business models that cover the entire uh, breadth. Otherwise, uh, in my view, uh, a, a segment of the of society will, will be left out. I agree. Um, yeah. yeah, yeah. It makes. I think it makes sense. Yeah, because the yeah, as you're saying, like there's no one way of doing it, and all these different ways they actually make sense. And you know, coming to rural areas, so majority of um, African um, countries they you find that they're in like rural or peri-urban areas and i i I think you know like the 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 time and the money to 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 install those long transmission lines and all that effort sometimes you look at it and it doesn't make sense you know so having having for like rural areas having those microgrids i think it will make more sense um i've seen like in the eastern cape the western cape you find that you can also consider hydro because you know they've got all these mountains and all these waterfalls and you know it's something to look at now let's switch our conversation to the the actual equipment now, the the sourcing and the manufacturing of it. Yeah. Um, like how is South is Africa? Because since this is engineering in Africa, so I don't wanna I don't wanna like you know uh, focus on South Africa too much. Um, does Africa have the manufacturing um, capability or um, yeah, let's say capability? And the actual manufacturing of like panels and batteries and all of that yeah. stuff. Yeah. Sure. Sure. Uh, I'm going to start off with taking us back to, to South Africa because yeah, this is certainly on, on the continent. This, I think, the, the hottest market uh, and has deployed the most, uh, the, the biggest capacity in terms of renewables, right? Mm. Um, so... When when REAP started out, uh, 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 the, the department and, and, and you know the, the IPP office um, had very stringent and still do, rightfully so. They, they were quite right in, in having very stringent localization requirements, right? So yeah. um, IPPs and, and developers needed to commit to certain levels of, of local content, which then necessitated. Um, OEM uh, suppliers and manufacturers setting up facilities and factories in, in country. And, and a lot of that happened. And what we saw was a boom, right? A, a lot of manufacturers and suppliers came up through the works and uh, started uh, putting together 
the, the, the different uh, equipment. Mm -hmm. But unfortunately, what happened with the, with the stalling and the stop start of, of the reprogram was, uh, you know, a, a lot of OEMs had to pull out because, yeah. you know, you can imagine setting up a factory and, and hiring people and getting CapEx and spending CapEx rather uh, on the back of a timeline that said in a year, your, your, your factory would be at capacity in terms of orders. And then, you know, two years on, there's still nothing, but you're still liable for salaries, OPEX and all that type of thing. Yeah. So unfortunately, a lot of people had to, had to, had to leave the country. And uh, as a result, so did a lot of the, the manufacturing capacity. Yeah. Um, so, so the short answer is, is we have the skills, we have the engineers, we have the technicians, we have the know-how, mm -hmm. right? Um, but the reality is, unless OEM uh, manufacturers and, and investors can get a sense of certainty around regulation and around procurement windows and around the, you know the whole plan, um, I don't see people risking uh, th their resources and setting up facilities, uh, manufacturing facilities um, to, to to you know support an industry that may or may not. Uh, open up mm. um, right now I, I said let's start with, with South Africa because you know a lot of the activity is happening here yeah right? now you know moving further up north you know if, if the guys don't have similar or advanced um, approaches to, to, to renewables and there's no way they will have the, the capacity to, to manufacture um, mm. So that's, that's a sad reality that mm. it's a chicken and egg scenario in a sense that you need the demand to, 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 to then you know, yeah. Yeah. But, but you can to, to close the demand gap, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it's just another scenario where, where private and public institutions need to come together and, and jointly uh, craft a, a vision and the roadmap and, and you know, have cards on the table and, and put together a plan and make sure that you know, things are in place when they're needed. Yeah. yeah, because I, I was gonna because my my next question has to do with the funding part, and my thinking is sometimes we need to take the the approach which says build it and they shall come, you know. Um, but I I I I sense that we don't have the financial the funding to take that approach of build it and they shall come, you know. And um, I don't know, what, what's your thought on that? You know, should we, should private sector or government start taking that approach of saying, build it and they shall come. So we just establish those factories and then start marketing the technology. Yeah, so as, as I said earlier that, you know, private sector and private OEMs actually did that. They, they, they oh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah. And the government never came. <laughs> <laughs> the project never came. So, yeah. so it's really a question of, of, of once bitten, twice, twice shy. Right? And, yeah. and we're talking we're talking millions and millions of, of dollars that go into these facilities mm. before you even uh, see a, a dollar come back through the door, right? Yeah. You in, these, in, these, in these facilities. I mean, it's highly specialized. Just the putting together of, of a solar panel, right, from the, the, the aluminium frames, right, to the, the silicon wafers, the strips, the glasses, it's, 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 it's a highly specialized and capex intensive um, industry. And, yeah. you know, 
you can't as an investor or, or a manufacturer of, uh, you know, put out these kinds of, uh, of, of amounts without any sort of guarantees. Mm. Um, you, you know, uh, you, you just can't do that. Yeah, it just doesn't make yeah. sense at some point. You know, yeah. Director, as a business owner, you have certain mm. fiduciary responsibilities. You know, there's no way I can go back to my to my board of directors and and justify having spent so many millions without some kind of commitment. <laughs> I I get it. Yeah, I get it. So the the one point also that our like I picked up uh, I think from your guys' website is that you one of the the benefits that you you have is that you're saying that there's no risk when um you know when people partner up with omang what does that mean like by saying no risk do you do you mean that the way you've structured the funding or the capex for these renewable projects do you guys come and you know do the funding yourself and then go and install and then the the user enjoys like how does how does that work? It's it's exactly that. It's exactly as, as described now. That so mm-hmm. we we've got guarantees at various levels of our process to mm-hmm. to eliminate and, and mitigate risk uh, for for the client. So the the, the first uh, the first and perhaps not in not in any order, but mm-hmm. the, the first risk that we would look to to mitigate is that of equipment, right? Yeah. Uh, you know. We will only use premium tier one equipment with, with uh, strong warranties and guarantees backing them. So, you know, these are um, uh, pieces of equipment that have been installed over many decades and, you know, they've got a track record. Yeah. Uh, so that one. the other element is around the actual engineering and installation, right? So we, we only work with professional registered engineers, uh, you know, companies that are ISO certified, uh, you know, with all the the, the she kind of um, approaches to, mm. to, to implementation, you know, the all, all the requisite insurances, professional and public liabilities, you know. So again, yeah. no, no exposure to the client there. That the, uh, the projects are installed and signed off by professional engineers, as I mentioned, with all yeah. the requisites. Um, and then from financial risk, right? Because as a, as an independent power producer, we retain ownership of the of the assets. Mm-hmm. Uh, the client never has to to pay any capex or any amounts upfront, right? It's okay, zero that's a, that's amazing. Yeah, down down payments, mm-hmm. nothing upfront, right? So we take all that risk, all the liability. We use uh, some of our money, some of institutional funding, commercial bank funding, specialist funding, and you know we 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 fit the bill essentially. Yeah. And then the client only pays for, for for what they use or what they've signed up to to use. Mm-hmm. So you know, financial risk is, is basically non-existent for, for the client. So when you look at when you look at those uh, that combination of, of, of elements, this is why we're able to say zero risk to the client. You know, I you, get it. you know exactly what you what you're getting right in, in the in the uh, agreement that we sign up. You know exactly what size solution you're getting and how much energy you can expect, and you know no surprises. Uh, we also mitigate financial risk in the form of um, price increases. Mm, so we cap escalation to uh, typically CPI linked between five and eight uh, percent for the duration of the of the agreement. So for fifteen to twenty years, you know 
what you'll be paying in uh, from year to year, right? Unlike mm. uh, other other uh, utilities, whom I won't mention, you know, you, you don't know from year to year. Twenty-five percent, then eighteen percent. You you never know, right? Uh, you can't in your life, particularly if you're a big business. You can't forecast uh, accurately. But with us, you know, you know, if you're paying, um, uh, you know, one rand today. Make sure you'll be paying five, uh, you know, one hundred and five percent, you know, on, on a five percent increase. Yeah. Um, so you mitigate that that risk uh, as well, right? Uh, and so it's that combination of of, of of factors that we're able to say to our, our clients and our partners, it's, it's virtually no risk to to them. All right, cool, man. No, now, Mr. Moyo, in closing, what's the future like? for Omang Energy and energy in Africa in general? Like what sure. if you if you look into your, you know, your hourglass, not your hourglass, your, yeah, it's called an hourglass and try to predict the future. Like how do you see uh, the energy, renewable energy in Africa? And yeah, how, how are we gonna, how, how is gonna, how is Omang gonna look like in the coming years? Sure, sure. I think maybe to, to start off, uh, you know, you're an entrepreneur as well. You're, you're a business owner, and you, you can't you can't do what we do without being optimistic, right? <laughs> we, always, we always think the future is going to be great, uh, and yeah. so that's that's really the foundation. That's the starting point for us. Um, but you know, when we come down to the nuts and bolts of it, as I said in the beginning, that some 700 million people in the world are without power. Right, 75% of those are on the continent. So there's no question of, of demand, mm. right? Uh, the, the utilities, uh, ESCOM, uh, ZESCO, uh, ZTTC in Zambia, BPC in, in, in Botswana, all these utilities in Africa are seeing the same story, the same tune, right? They're all uh, facing massive constraints. Um, so they're not able to meet the demand on their, on their own. Right. Um, so that says to us the opportunity is there. Commercially, yeah. there's, there's lots of opportunity and, and uh, it won't be filled or, or plugged in, in the short term, certainly short to medium term. That's, that's not going to happen. Um, right. From, uh, from a renewables perspective, right, there, there are a couple of uh, macro level uh, pushes, if you will, right. Things like the, the Paris. Uh, Paris Agreement, uh, where countries in the UN uh, signed an agreement, a legally binding agreement, uh, to work towards um, minimizing or keeping global warming to to two degrees uh, in line with pre-industrial, uh, you know, levels. Right. So, so the world has converged, and they've agreed that uh, we need to get sustainable around energy. We need clean solutions, and so there's that micro-level push. Um, there are also the sub, uh, sustainable development goals, which I'm sure you're familiar with, and, yeah. and one of them uh, speaks straight to to our uh, core business, right? And that is um, reliable and 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 uh, affordable clean energy to 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 everyone, right? Yeah. And, and and so we've got all these pushes on a macro level, on a micro level, closer to home in South Africa. You know, as of last year, already we're seeing a, a lot of movement in. in in terms of uh, regulation and regulatory changes, you know, the government is, and I must say kudos to it, uh, is pushing quite hard to, to remove the red tape around 
who can uh, put uh, put uh, projects, you know, the processes to put out projects. And that in turn has a knock-on effect um, with the various stakeholders, the lenders, the project developers, everyone gets comfort and, you know, the, the, the train starts to move in the right direction, if you will. Um, and then, you know, the, the last thing really is around the, the cost curve, right? Um, in the last 10 years, the, the cost of solar has dropped some 80%, right? Um, from the time when I got into, into the business, yeah. 80% cost reduction, mm. right? And that curve is still, is still dropping. So mm. the projects or the cost of deploying these projects is continues to, 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 to yeah. decrease exponentially, right? Mm. Which means to our customers and to the end customer, they're going to continue getting cheaper, affordable power. Right? and people that can deliver this, these solutions uh, in, in a reliable manner uh, you know, are going are gonna to survive. So our, our outlook is quite bullish. We're, we're really optimistic, and I think we've got a, a really great team uh, internally and you know, externally. We've got really, really great partners, people. You know, you know, we, we've all been in the industry for, for, for quite some time, and yeah. we've seen it evolve, and you know, we're... We're quite bullish about the future, uh, and I think you know our, our business is going to do really well. And I'm quite excited, in fact, mm-hmm. to to be a part of uh, uh, you know African energy story changing and then yeah. changing for the better. Yeah. All right. Now, thank you very much, Mr. Moyo, for well, for your time and for your insights. You know, I think um, yeah, you've shared quite a. Uh, uh, quite a bunch of useful insights that you know whoever's going to be listening to this podcast is going to benefit from it you know and I'm looking forward to having more discussions I think this is not the first and the last (laughs) discussion that we're going to have (laughs) you know um, I'll be like from the engineering in Africa podcast and brand I think we we will be interested in you know walking that energy journey with um, Omang you know try if you if you will allow us you know document some of your you know successes so if you guys you know succeed in something let us know um and then we'll most probably have an episode about that and then yeah let's see how it goes absolutely absolutely i look forward to to walk in the the journey with you as well and uh, thank you again for the opportunity we need platforms like this uh, we need we need you guys, you know, the, the people that can can create and curate good content and you know uh, inspire our people, right? Uh, mm-hmm. Knowledge knowledge is is is, is uh, important, and, and the useful application of knowledge is is, is, is important as well. So yeah. our platforms like this are quite uh, fundamental to to what we need to see happening on the continent. And uh, yeah, I mean, look. Uh, we we won't only be sharing our successes. I think a big part of advancing as a as a society, as a civilization, is to share our failures as well. Um, yeah, you know, we're, definitely. Yeah, Mr. Mark, you know, we 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 share that, and uh, you know, let it be a lesson to other people. You know, the market is big, the need is big. If someone else can can learn from our mistakes, that'll be that'll be wonderful. So yeah, looking yeah. forward to sharing our entire journey with with uh, the team at Engineering Thank you. All right, then, sir. (laughs) Cheers, then. All right. Thank you for listening to episode three of the Engineering in Africa podcast. I hope you got some valuable insights from the energy situations and opportunities in South Africa. I think the discussion with Tabo raised some exciting energy challenges and opportunities in Africa and South Africa in particular. 
it will be up to us as African engineers to rise to the challenge and define a future with possibilities for generations to come. I would really appreciate it if you can rate this episode and share it with friends and colleagues who might find it interesting. Thank you for listening and I will catch you in the next episode.